I felt uh, several weeks ago, I felt a, a word from the Lord, and um, Brother Gene just wouldn't give me the chance to preach, so I just had to keep a hold of it. But uh, I, I was toying around a couple different things in my mind, but I believe the Lord wants to speak to someone in your situation right now. And I could preach this message two ways. <clears throat> I could preach it as um, you need to do better. But I want to preach it as an answer for you today of maybe why what's happening in your life has taken place. Amen. Brother Gene mentioned this morning in our pre-service prayer, there was people in this place that are going through situations that just need a touch from the Lord. Amen. There's people going through all kinds of stuff in this place, stuff you know about, stuff you don't. And I believe the Lord <clears throat> spoke to me to give you an answer today about why you may be going through what you're going through. And I pray the Lord would let his word find its mark today in my life. Amen. And I want to preach to you today about being settled in the vessel. Settled in the vessel. I want us to pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we come before you. Lord, we're so thankful that we can be here today, Lord, that you have given us this privilege and opportunity to be here, to magnify you, to gather together and feel your presence. And Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth, it would find its mark today. Lord, I know that it has a work to do. Lord, that you would anoint our ears, that you would open our hearts to receive your word today, God, that we would leave this place encouraged and changed and transformed by the power of your word, God. We give you praise today for it. We glorify you today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I think there's very few people in this place today except maybe some of the youngest. And of course, it doesn't take many curveballs to throw their life off. <laughs> but no one, no one here really needs told that life is a way of throwing the unexpected at you. While we uh, have plans, while we uh, think we know how things are going to take place, really, we all know that life has a way of just stepping in and doing the unexpected. That our plans suddenly go awry, that, that things happen, and, and all of a sudden the best laid plans are suddenly torn apart. There's people in this place that know exactly what it's like to have your life suddenly thrown into the spin cycle, if you would. Feels like you're, what they call that thing in the middle of the washing machine? They call it the agitator, and you just feel like, uh, I know that's what you call your spouse. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but you feel like you've been thrown in the agitator. You feel like everything is just moving around, everything is shaking, everything is turning. And there are times in our life when the enemy begins to come against us. There are times when he begins to attack our mind and our heart, and we heard about it Wednesday. There's times when we know that our soul is already purchased, so he can't grab a hold of our soul, but he begins to attack our faith. He begins to shake whatever can be shaken in our life. He begins to send thoughts our way. He begins to stir up our heart, our desires, and things become messed up. And suddenly our faith begins to become weak. And, and we find things that used to be easy a struggle now. And we find it hard to lift our hands and pray. We find it hard to do just the common, if you want to call it, every place, everyday place Christian things. And our faith is under attack. In fact, we find that Jesus tells Peter that he is praying. 
prayed for him because Satan has desired to sift him as wheat. And I know there's times in our life when we feel as if Satan himself is trying to sift us and he's trying to put us through whatever he can put us through to cause us to fail, to trip up, to, to quit on God, to quit on church. There are those moments that arrive in our life. And then there's also those times when we find in Scripture that God himself begins to test us. I know that Satan will come in and he'll begin to do things, but there are times in my life when the agitation that I feel in my life is not because of the enemy, but it's because of God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, 11 says, As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttering over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. Sometimes God gets in the nest and he begins to stir things up. He says, you've been sitting in this nest a little too long. I'm going to stir it up. In fact, if you take the analogy of the eagle, that eagle, that mother, she takes them and she begins to throw them out of the nest. And there's times in my life I know I felt like I've just been thrown out of the nest and I'm flapping my wings for all I'm worth. And it tells me in Scripture that God does this to me, that God sometimes stirs up my house, that God sometimes causes the agitation in my life. Psalm 66 says, For thou, O God, hast proved us, thou hast tried us as silver is tried. That sometimes he wants to prove who I am. He wants to prove my faith. Peter says that precious is the trial of my faith because when I come through it, I know that I have faith. I know that what I have is real. That I came through the situation and God was faithful. That I came through the trial and God was faithful. And I've stood the test and I have been proven. And he has tried me. Psalm 17 says, Thou hast proved mine heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me and shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. God visits us in the night sometimes. In the moments when it seems like there is no light, when it's darkest and it says that God visits us and he begins to prove our heart. That means in the middle of the situation that's going from bad to worse, God visits us and he says, I want to inspect your heart. I want to see if you're true. I want to see if you're faithful. I want to see if you're still holding on. And then in Isaiah, he says, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. Wow, that's a powerful phrase right there. I have chose thee in the furnace of affliction. Let me say, I have a little bit of a problem with that. <laughs> I don't know if you do, but the last place I want to wake up and find myself in is the furnace of affliction. I've woke up on the wrong side of the bed before, but waking up in the furnace of affliction, that's a whole different thing. But he says, I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. That if I want God to use me, if I want him to choose me, then I might have to go into the furnace of affliction. And it's out of that fire, it's out of that proving, it's out of that testing that he pulls out what he wants. That he pulls out a chosen vessel. James talks about this in his writings too. He talks about the product of our trials. That there's a reason and a point to the testings and trials of God. And he makes it clear that God does not test us, but he tries us and tests us. He does not tempt us though. He doesn't give us a choice between sin or God, and then if we choose sin, we've lost. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about whether it's sin or God. I'm talking about the things in our life that begin to agitate, and we begin to wonder where God is. There are times that it becomes difficult for us to handle and understand things sometimes. 
But these verses that, that I've read, they let me know that God does not just come into my life and just agitate my life randomly. I'm thankful, first of all, that God doesn't leave me the way that I am. I'm thankful that He didn't leave me in my sin. I'm thankful that He agitated one, my heart one night at an altar, enough so that I prayed through. I'm thankful that He didn't just leave me like He found me, but He stirred me. He did something within my heart. He did something within my life that caused me to turn to Him that caused me to say something's not right here and I turned towards the Lord. He cares enough about me to not leave me the way that I am. He cares enough about me to get involved with my life still. He cares enough about me to get involved with my mess. (laughs) Now I may have told some of this before but I'm going to share some of my old dating habits with you today. Young men, listen up. This is real good advice. This will get you real far in life. <clears throat> was not always the best boyfriend. I was a cheap boyfriend. One of my first rules of dating, write this down. First thing you find out about a girl that you want to date is when her birthday is. Find out when her birthday is. So now you can mark off February 14th, her birthday, and Christmas as days that you do not want to be dating. <clears throat> Saves you money. <clears throat> Saves you money. In fact, I once asked a girl out on February 15th. (laughs) Yeah, dating was cheap for me. You got to get those important dates and then you're not involved in all that stuff. You don't get caught up in all that stuff because that gift buying thing, that gets, well, it gets expensive, then it gets a little dicey, you know, whether you got the right thing or not. So just stay away from it. That's the first thing. Just stay away from it. Also, when I dated, I never got involved in an argument, ever, never. If an argument started, you know what I'd do? We're done. (laughs) We're done. I don't need this. (laughs) I mean, I know it's not your birthday coming up, but I don't need this. (laughs) You know, one of the first things that I realized why I wanted to stay with the woman that I'm now married to, I'm not sure why she did. But here's one thing, was that I cared enough to argue with her. Now, she probably doesn't appreciate that at all. (laughs) But before, it was like, man, I know this is not going anywhere. First of all, I'm 15, so I realize marriage is really not going to happen anytime soon. But I know this is not going anywhere, so it's not worth me putting in a bunch of time and effort, and I'm sorry, and you're right, and I'm wrong, and all. Say, I mean, just forget all that. Just let's just forget it. You know what, if you get over it sometime, we'll go back out. But if not, hey, forget it. (laughs) But when I realized that I cared enough about somebody to stay involved when the times got rough, when I cared enough to get involved and say, you know what, I'm going to stick it out, I realized that there was something different about this relationship. And you know what, I think it's the same way with God. Sometimes I think, God, why is this happening? What's going on? But I want to tell you this morning, I'm thankful that God is still involved in my life. And sometimes the argument doesn't go the way that I thought it would. But I'm glad that God at least cares enough to still argue with me. That God cares enough to still convict my soul. That God cares enough to reach down and says, you better shape up. Because if he ever quit talking to me, that's when I need to worry. But I'm just thankful that he cares enough about me still to still mold me and shape me and do something with my life. 
There's times in my life that he begins to do those things. He begins to stir up the nest. And suddenly I begin to realize potential that I never knew I had. There's times he puts me in the fire and I wonder what's going on. But he is refining me. Job in 20, chapter 23 says, Behold, I go forward, but he's not there. I go look backward and I can't perceive him there. On the left hand, where he usually works, I can't see him there. And he's hiding on the right hand. I can't see him. How many of you could say those words at some point? in your life maybe even right now but Job says I know I can't see him but he knows the way that I take and here it is when he's tried me I'm going to come forth as pure gold he's still a way maker even when I don't see him I know he's working even when I don't feel him I know he's working so I'm going to be faithful because the trial's going to produce something in me I'm going to come out as pure gold I want to encourage you today that God knows where you are. That He sees exactly where you are today. Even though you don't see Him. Even though you're looking and you can't see Him on the right or the left. And I know it's in the middle of the trial. But He's working something in your life. He's working to bring forth gold in your life. He's working to bring forth something precious in your life. In the book of Jeremiah, we find some more explanation for why God sometimes allows us to go through some things. In Jeremiah chapter 48 and verse 11. It says, Moab hath been at ease from his youth. And he hath settled on his lees and hath not been emptied from vessel to vessel. Neither hath he gone into captivity. Therefore his taste remained in him and his scent is not changed. This verse, this analogy is given and is comparing the nation of Moab to wine. And I'm not a winemaker. I don't have a, a distillery in my backyard. I don't produce moonshine. See me after church. No, I don't produce moonshine. <laughs> so I had to do the next best thing and Google it. <laughs> but it, I found out when it, this, this emptying from vessel to vessel, the point of it, why, why does this take place? And he says, Moab has an issue because they've never been emptied from vessel to vessel. When a wine was placed in a clay vessel, after a time they would let it set, but then after a time they would, the, the dregs or the lees, as it said, settled on its lees. The lees, that's the dregs, would need to be re removed. They would settle to the bottom. It was in a jar that was kind of on an angle with the flat bottom, and they would settle in the bottom. And then they would take that. This process is called racking. And they would rack the wine. They would, they would begin to siphon off from one vessel and siphon it into another vessel. And they would leave the sediment behind. The whole purpose of racking, the only purpose of racking, is to leave the sediment behind. The reason that they do that. Because that sediment, it changes its, its yeast. And, and when you, it's kind of freaky the way they describe it. But they talk about yeast cannibalizing itself. And you think, man, that's really freaky. Then you remember it's just little tiny particles of stuff. And it's not really that freaky. It's not cannibals and all this thing. But it, it begins to do things to the wine that they don't want it to, to do. And if a wine was not transferred, they would say that it had become settled on its lees. And this is what we find taking place as Jeremiah is speaking about Moab. That God says that Moab has become settled on its lees. And God explains what he means by this. By stating that Moab had never in its history from its youth 
had ever had anything to shake it. They had never had turmoil in their life. And because they had not been shaken, because they had not been emptied, because there was no turmoil, they had settled into a place. They had settled and not been moved. And it's been left in the same vessel, never disturbed. The very scheme of life itself appears to be a big decanting process of emptying where change follows change and people are emptied from vessel to vessel while this is nothing that we like or enjoy i don't i don't want to be emptied from vessel to vessel i don't like my life disturbed and agitated while this is nothing that you and i enjoy or like i want to remind you that first of all we have an example that was already given to us of what it means to be emptied in philippians chapter 2 this passage of scripture is called the the self-emptying of Jesus Christ. And in verse 7, it says, But made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. This but made himself of no reputation. Those words in there means he emptied himself. He decided to empty himself. And he did that for one reason alone. God moved from one vessel to another. He was poured from the eternal to the temporal, from the divine to the earthly. He had no dregs that needed sorted. He had no lees, no sediment. And yet he gave this example that we must be emptied too. That we must be poured from vessel to vessel. If Jesus Christ was willing to be emptied, then you and I must also be willing to be emptied in our life. I'm thankful that Jesus emptied himself and came in the likeness of men. I'm thankful that he came one day because of his emptying, I have salvation in my life. Because of his emptying, I have eternal hope in my life. Because of his sacrifice and what he did to himself, I have a hope of all men. But in this verse in Jeremiah, God reveals to Jeremiah the danger of becoming settled in the vessel. He reveals to us that there's a danger when we become settled. The first is that if left alone, if the wine is left to settle in the vessel in the container in which it started, then the wine will very often become bitter to taste, and it will also start to taste of the vessel itself. One reason that they move the wine from one vessel to another is that it begins to take on the taste of the container it's in. And so before it can take on the taste of the clay, before it can take take on the taste of wherever it is, they move it to another vessel. And there's a stagnation that happens when it's not moved. And in that stagnation, it begins to breed things. A bitterness can begin to breed when you remain stuck in one spot. (laughs) Now, I'm not talking about physical. Now, I'm talking about spiritual. We mentioned it at the end of our class. We started getting into settling. And I said, I wanted to just settle down because I'm going to talk about settling. But when I remain in one place, when I remain in one spot, when I'm not progressing in God, when I'm not moving forward in Christ, then all of a sudden a bitterness, it creates a ground where bitterness can begin to get in my life. It creates a bitterness because I'm stagnant. Nothing's moving. Nothing's happening. I see others progressing and I seem stuck. And all of a sudden bitterness begins to set in against other people and against God. The settled vessel becomes a bitter vessel if we're not careful. And we need emptied from vessel to vessel because God looks down and he sees that I'm starting to take on the taste of my container too much. He begins to see that my flesh, this container that I'm in, he sees a little too much flesh creeping into my life. You see, left to my own devices, I do not become more like the Lord. (laughs) 
If you don't correct your kids, they don't just end up being like Jesus. <laughs> Left to their own devices, they're going to do whatever they can get away with. And you know what? We're no different either. We'll do whatever we can get away, of, away with. What do I have to do to be saved? Do I really need to do this? I'll do whatever I can get away with. I'll do it. So left to my own devices, the Lord looks down and he says, I see a little bit too much of the vessel influencing the wine. And there's plenty of verses that back this up about my heart and my desires leading me astray. Sometimes I need emptied though to remind me about prayer. Sometimes I need emptied because I need to be reminded of the importance of the body. Sometimes I need emptied because my flesh is taking too much of me. Because my flesh is so important to me. And my, the wine inside of me is taking on the taste of my flesh. It's got to be emptied from vessel to vessel. It'll take on the taste. There's a danger. The second danger that Jeremiah talks about is the danger of becoming at ease. He says, Moab has been at ease from his youth. Now, I don't know about you, but I like taking it easy sometimes. Maybe you don't. Maybe you like to take the hard way every time. You know, I'm still, I'm still young enough, but I'm right on the edge of converting. You know, have you ever worked with young guys and old guys? Where, where was I the other day? I was, I was doing something. Yeah, I was, at, I was at the campground. I was at the campground. And I was looking, I was looking for something. And uh, it, was, it was down the hill on the burn pile. The stuff that I needed was down the hill by the burn pile. And it was two older guys working. And you know what I thought? I'll walk down there. You know what the two old guys thought? We'll jump in the truck and go down there. Now, I mean, it's really not that far. You know, I'm right on that line between, well, I really should walk because I should do something. I mean, I don't want to be one of those old guys. But, you know, I don't need, I don't need the dolly. We'll just pick it up and move it, right? We don't need help. You see, there's that line where you cross where you're like, ah, forget it. We'll just drive down there. <laughs> all I needed was a pencil. No. I got to go all the way over there. We need a golf cart. <laughs> so it's all right. I mean, there's, there's times when it's all right to take it easy. But in this verse, it says Moab has been at ease. Let me tell you, there's a danger of getting at ease. There's a danger of staying at ease. In Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and punish the men that are settled on their lees that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. Now I want you to notice a few things about this. This is some other people that have settled on their lees, that have settled in the vessel. The first thing is, is that they say it in their hearts. You know what, there's times in my life when my actions didn't necessarily say it, or, or, or what you may have seen didn't say it, but in my heart I had settled on my lees. In my heart, I had become at ease. In my heart, my desires and what I was looking for had settled for something. And there's a danger in that. First of all, it doesn't start outward. It starts in the heart that is deceitful above all things. And your heart will tell you it's all right just to settle. It's all right to be content. It's all right just to stay where you are. It's all right. You don't have to push. You don't have to reach. You don't have to strive. Your heart will say that to you because it's deceitful. Left to its own devices, it will not lead you towards God. But I'm coming against the spirit that says you can settle. You can be at ease. No, no. 
there's a time that we need to rise up and say, I'm willing to be emptied. I'm not going to settle anymore. And it says, they say in their heart, the Lord will do, not do good, neither will he do evil. You know, really what it says to me is they just become ambivalent. He's not going to do good or evil. He's just going to be. And there's moments in our lives when, you know what, we just are. We're not really pushing. We're not really that bad. We just are. We become ambivalent. I'm coming to church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. You know, I'm not really doing. I know there's things I should be doing. I mean, you all know there's stuff we should be doing. We become ambivalent. We talk ourselves out of things. They, they just began to live life while they proclaim goodness, the goodness and judgment of the Lord in their hearts. It doesn't factor into their daily decisions. And you see, that's where the heart that's at ease, it really begins to show itself. It's not about whether I come to church or not because they were still coming to church. It's not about whether the show was still right or not because the show was right. But in their hearts, when they were away from that, when they were living their life every day, the daily decisions were made and God wasn't involved choices were made paths were taken and no consideration to God is really given because he's not going to do good or evil he's just going to be and it's troubling when people begin to take God out of their daily life. It's troubling when people begin to make decisions and they don't pray about it. It's troubling when people begin to make decisions and God is nowhere in there. But it's money and geography and all these other things that begin to play into stuff. And God is not involved. You become ambivalent to God. You become at ease in your spirit. Job uses this exact phrase that both Jeremiah and Zephaniah use. He says, I was at ease, but he had broken me asunder. He had taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and sent me up for his mark. Man, that's a rough place to be. But I was caught by this because of the first part of Job. God, is, it, it, it seems like it's, it's coming from the writer. It says Job was a perfect man. It says there was nothing wrong with him. We know there's no perfect men. But it says Job was a perfect man. He gave money to this and he did that and he helped this person. But his kids were out partying and doing wrong. And this was happening and this was going on. And from Job's own words, I think we find something that made Job not perfect. Job's own words say, I was at ease. It wasn't that I was out doing bad things. No, I was giving money to widows and orphans. And I was helping old ladies across the road. But in my spirit, I was at ease. And because I was at ease, God has broken me asunder. From Job's own words, he says, in essence, I have settled in my vessel. I have a way of life. This is how I do God. This is how I do church. And this is how I'm going to keep doing it. And all of a sudden, God breaks in and says, no, Job, I want you to go further. I I want you not just to hear about me, but I want you to see me. There's more of me that you can have in your life. And I believe God is challenging some people. He's telling you, you know what? It's not that you're so bad, but you know what? There's more of me that you can see in your life. There's more of me that you can have in your life. If you would be willing to be emptied from vessel to vessel, I know it's not good. I know it's not easy, but it's out of the trial and the fire of affliction. I'm going to choose people. Settle to these. The last thing, the last danger we find revealed in this verse in Jeremiah. If there is no racking of the wine, if there's no emptying of the vessel, and this is where I pray that this helps somebody today. 
It says the taste and the smell remain the same. This can be taken two ways. The first is that when you are emptied from vessel to vessel, there's a taste change that happens within you. Some people around you, they don't even notice that you've changed. (laughs) But all of a sudden, in the middle of the trial, when I'm emptied, others begin to see my full flavor. They begin to taste who I, who I am really when the trials come my way. Andrew Fuller said that a man has only as much religion as he can command in the day of trial. You want to know how religious you are? How much of God you have? Then let's take you at the bottom of the trial and see where you're at. And it's in that moment that all of a sudden people get a taste of who I really am. And he said, because they've never been emptied, there's just a bland taste. There's just a taste of nothingness. But when you're emptied from vessel to vessel, all of a sudden there's a full flavor that begins to happen. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Peter is writing, it says in the verses just before, he is writing to those in persecution that God has scattered, that God has said you have become settled, so I'm going to scatter you around the world. And he's writing to these people, and he says, When you have been scattered, when you have been emptied, when you have been poured from vessels, a vessel people should be able to see a hope inside of you it's not when things are going good that they need to see the hope yes I need to praise him in the good times but when things get rough when I don't understand when the trial comes when the fiery furnace comes it's in that moment that suddenly people can taste what's really in me they can see the hope that's inside of me And Peter says it's in that moment when they begin to taste what's inside of me in the middle of the trial that suddenly people want what I have. That people see they're making it through this situation and I don't know how. They're praising through this situation and I don't know how. I don't know how they wake up in the morning, but I know there's a hope they have that I want. There's something they've got that I want. And that's when I say, because of Jesus, it's Jesus. He's the reason I can do it. I'm staying faithful because he was faithful to me your witness shines brighter when you are willing to be emptied from vessel to vessel people catch a different flavor when you're emptied from vessel to vessel the second thing this can mean and this is where I want to encourage you today maybe this is where you're at right now because there's people that sit here in this place and say I'm not talking about future I'm talking about right now I'm not putting this in my back pocket for when life begins to agitate me. I'm agitated right now. And it's not just because of the white chairs. My life is an agitated mess right now. There's stuff going on and it's been going on and I can't explain it. I can't figure it out. And I've tried praying and I've tried holding on. I've tried doing everything right and it doesn't seem like anything is happening. But I want to challenge you today. The second thing that this can mean is that when you become settled in your vessel, when you become at ease, then your tastes don't change. God began to challenge me with this phrase. See, it's not just about others, but perhaps it's not just the taste that others get of me, but perhaps my tastes need to change. Perhaps God is doing something in me. 
You see, there's a point and a purpose to the racking. There's a reason for the emptying from vessel to vessel. There's a reason for the trial, for the proving and the testing. God is trying to change your tastes. God is molding and shaping you, and he's doing it through your taste buds. He's changing who you are through what you desire. He wants you to crave crave and enjoy different things than what you do now. You see, what happens to us in these moments of affliction and trial? We do everything we know we're supposed to. When things get really bad, I'll be at prayer. I'll call an extra prayer meeting. I'll fast three extra meals. I'll get everyone together. We'll have, I'll do everything right that I know. And you know what happens in those moments? Is suddenly God begins to answer and we catch a taste of something. And then what do we typically do? We settle back down in the vessel. You see, it's like we get right up to the edge where we're about to be poured out and then suddenly God begins to speak and we settle back in the vessel. But I wonder if in the emptying process that my tastes don't change, that suddenly I don't just get a taste of prayer, but now I crave prayer. Where suddenly it's not just that I taste the Word of God. No, I have to have the Word of God. It becomes my daily bread. Suddenly the things of God begin to matter in a different way in my job and success and money and the things that can be so important suddenly I just don't have a hunger for them anymore I know we have to work I know we got to go to school there's things that are necessary for life and it's not that we make money it's not that we engage in hobbies or do things that we enjoy that's not what it is but it's the fact that my taste is for those things sometimes that when I get down to it when God brings out the candle and he begins to search throughout the city looking for those that have settled on their lees really what he's doing and he's saying what do you desire deep down within what's really important to you deep down within what really matters to you deep down within You see, I begin to crave things that are in my heart. And it shows itself in very uh, easy ways at first. You see, it becomes easy because of those things to start missing things. Well, I've got this to do. It becomes easy to make valid excuses. Because you know what? I'll do what I want to do. I'll be where I want to be. And I begin to make those valid excuses. Why? Because those things are wrong? Because those things are evil? No. But because I've become settled in the vessel. I've become settled in a place where I shouldn't stay. But God settled and I'm out. Because my life seems to be emptied from vessel to vessel. And I want to challenge you because you have trouble smelling praise even in your own life. Perhaps the reason you are being emptied, maybe the reason you're going through what you're going through is so God can change your scent, the way you smell, and you begin to see praise in every situation. You see, Moab didn't know what it was like to worship in the middle of captivity. It was all good times for Moab, but there's a different praise that comes up when I do it in captivity. There's a different style to my worship. There's a different scent to my worship when I can walk into the house of God and everything's going against me and the vessels are being emptied everywhere it seems like and I can still walk in and lift my hands and begin to praise and worship him in the middle of every situation I want to encourage you maybe God is trying to change your desires your taste to something different today maybe what you need is to sacrifice some of your taste to him today And I close as the music comes. Psalms chapter 55 and verse 19. 
says, God shall hear. That's good. Whew. Glad about that. I'm glad when he hears. Let's just put a period right there. Oh, man, there's a comma and ant. And afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. Now this is speaking, this is a psalm writing, and, and, and it's, it's saying that God hears my prayer and he's going to afflict those people. But he says those people over there that he's going to afflict, he says there's an issue with them. They have no changes, therefore they fear not God. That word changes is kind of interesting because if you look back, it has a couple different meanings. It can also mean to grow, to sprout, to renew. Because they've never grown, therefore they fear not God. Let me tell you what stagnation settling in your vessel can do. You start to lose a fear of God. There's something about being emptied from vessel to vessel. I don't know why it works this way. But we've already mentioned it. Peter says, when I come through the trial, I, can t I have something precious in my hands. It's the trial of my faith. You see, the way my mind works is when I go through those trials, that's when I should not fear God. Because He's done this to me. But somehow when I go through the trial, the way God works is somehow I'm closer to God through the trial. And when I don't have the trial, when I don't have the changes, that means I begin to lose my fear of God. I would think that living on easy street would say, man, God's been good to me. But no, something begins to settle. I think it's time some people need to realize that God is, is not just doing it because He doesn't care about you. He's not just letting stuff happen to you just because He thinks you're worthless and no good. No, God is trying to change some tastes inside of you. You've tasted a prayer in the middle of your trial, but he wants to give you an appetite for prayer. He's given you a taste of some faith, but he wants you to walk in faith. He's given you a taste of provision, but he wants, he wants you to know that he is always your provider. You've tasted of forgiveness, but he wants you to walk in forgiveness. You've tasted of his love, but he wants to wrap you in his arms of love. I'm here to challenge you that we need spiritual progression. There should be people that are receiving callings and, and, and following after callings. And, and I understand that this is a spiritual family and you should feel contentment and safety in this place. You should. You should feel safe in here. But I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm not where I should be. And if I know that, then I know that at some point, I'm going to have to progress some more. I'm going to have to be emptied from vessel to vessel again. My taste will have to change again. I can't just settle in the vessel. No, at some point in my life, I'm going to have to move again. And it may not be enjoyable. And it may not be the greatest thing that I've ever experienced. But I know that something is happening to me. I know that God is proving me. He's trying me. He's changing me. I would rather him empty me from vessel to vessel than to leave me at ease. Perhaps when I look at my situation, I begin to look at it more and say, you know what, maybe God's just trying to change my taste. There's some things I considered important, but God is changing my taste. And I know that if he's trying to change my tastes, he hasn't left me. He's still there. 
if he's, if he's trying to pour me from vessel to vessel, I know it's not enjoyable, but it tells me that God is still faithful and he's still there. And I end with this. Jeremiah and Zephaniah both give us the result of people left at ease, people who are unwilling to be emptied. In Jeremiah 48, 12, it says, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send unto him wanderers that shall cause him to wander, shall empty his vessels and break their bottles. In Zephaniah 1.13, Therefore their, their goods shall become a booty and their houses a desolation. They shall also build houses but not inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards but not drink the wine thereof. Now I want you to notice something about this. In both of those verses, the wine is still there. What's inside is still there. In Jeremiah, the vessels are broken. In Zephaniah, they plant the vineyards, but they don't get the wine. But the wine is still there. God is not going to destroy you. I know it feels like it sometimes, but he's not going to destroy you. You may feel emptied to the max, but he's not going to destroy the wine inside. The wine is still important. God will keep trying us. He will keep trying to do something in our life. He will keep trying to empty us. He will keep trying to get us from settling. But there comes a day when He will break the vessels. There comes a day when we will begin to plant things. We will build houses but not inhabit them. That we'll plant vineyards but we won't drink the wine thereof. If I could put this in modern vernacular. He says there's going to come a point where if you quit ignoring, if you keep ignoring me. If you keep saying, no, I'd rather have the ease. No, God, just get me out of this situation without doing anything to me. Lord, my main concern is not becoming closer to you, becoming more like you, having my taste change. I just want out of the situation. He says, here's what will happen to you. The wine will still be there, but you're just going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to keep planting, but never get the fruit of it. You're going to keep building houses, but you'll never live in it. I'll break the vessels and the, and the wine will just flow to the lowest spot. It'll just go wherever it's accepted. You'll just keep spinning your wheels. You'll just live life. You'll say God is not good, nor he's bad. And you'll never get anywhere. Maybe you find yourself in that situation today. You say, yeah, man, it just feels like I've been spinning my wheels. I know I've been there. Seems like what? I gotta build another house just so someone else can live in it? I gotta plant another vineyard and I know I'm not, I just keep spinning my wheels. I'm trying to do right, I'm trying to do the things that, that just are supposed to be good. But the problem is, is I'm not willing to be emptied. I'm not willing for the vessel to be broken in my life, to be switched from vessel to vessel. I'm not willing for my taste to change. I'm here to challenge somebody today, to encourage you today, first of all, that God has not left you in the middle of your situation. And then second of all, perhaps the reason I'm still in the situation is because God is working on my taste. God is trying to do something within me as we stand this morning. I wish I could do justice to what I feel inside of me. I feel very clearly that there's people here today and you feel like Job you're looking all around you look to the left you look to how God usually answers you look in front and behind and he's not there you're going through stuff and it doesn't seem to end 
I'm here to just challenge you with this kind of goofy phrase, check your taste buds. Perhaps God is trying to change your desires. And there's moments in my life when I can see this. I've gone through things and I think, what in the world was that about? But then I look back and suddenly some things that once were important are no longer important. I can't explain it. I don't know why I don't care about some things anymore. I don't know why I don't care about doing this or that anymore. But suddenly other things become more important to me. And you can say, well, it's just getting older. No, I think God has something to do with it as well. I think God has a way of turning me towards Him. I think God has a way of taking my appetites and making them more towards Him. I'm, I want to challenge you today, if you don't know God, if you don't know God today, He's going to keep stirring up your life. He's going to keep chasing after you. Let me tell you what you need. You need some wine in your vessel. You need some Holy Ghost inside of you. You need something in you today. And I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost is in this place today to touch you, to do something in your life. If you need God today, this is the place that you need to be. You need to find an altar. You need to lift your hands. You need to say, Lord, I give you my life today. Lord, I, forget, I repent of my sins. And Lord, I'm seeking after you today. And God will touch you today. And I'm here to challenge and encourage saints of God that have been going through times, who've been struggling. And I know the enemy comes in, but perhaps it's God proving and testing you. I'm here to encourage and challenge you today to simply come and lift your hands and say, Lord, whatever you're trying to do inside of me. Lord, if you're trying to change my taste, Lord, I'm willing to be empty today. I'm willing to be moved from vessel to vessel. Lord, I'm willing to become more like you today. This altar is open today if you want to come pray. If you need the Holy Ghost, you can come pray. If you need to talk to the Lord, you can come pray. If you need encouragement because you've been going through a situation, it seems like you're spinning your wheels, I encourage you to come to this altar and pray today. Come on, be reminded. He'll remind you that He knows where you are. He knows the way that you take. And the fact that He's still doing things in your life is a sign that He's still there. I know it's not what I want. I know it's not deliverance. I know it's not healing. I know it's not the provision I wanted, but I still know He's there. I know He's still faithful. And as long as He's with me, I know I can make it. I know I can make it through any situation.